0: key scripture in this, all right, Brother Mark, and in First Timothy 3.15, if someone will get First Timothy 3.15 for us to begin this off this morning, amen, okay, uh, Brother George, uh, last week we were studying God's house in relation to something, what was we studying God's house in relation to? Anybody remember? Amen. Pilgrims. There's a mentality that God's people have for the purpose of unlocking the resources of God, and that is that God's people are to be a pilgrim people in this world. And we find it, found it last week all through the Bible, beginning with Abraham... To the, all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, into the children of Israel, even in the land that God gave them. There was an attitude that God continually brought forth in his people, that's that his people are a pilgrim people. And I wonder if anyone can give us a basic reason this morning why God's people should continue an attitude of pilgrimage. Okay? We're not permanent residents, he said. Our home is in heaven. Hebrews, Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Okay? So that we don't get so rooted. When a church or a people lose the pilgrim mentality and the pilgrim attitude... It ends up in a worldliness in the church and in God's people, and that's what you were. Uh, that's the reason you find such worldliness in the church. God's people are so tied to life that they cannot be obedient to God and what God's saying. You can't see many, many times finances released into the kingdom. Many times you don't see ministry released into the kingdom, people released into the kingdom, talents released into the kingdom, and all this stems to a pilgrim attitude that it's God. Can our sister back here had her hand up a moment ago? Okay. And so we see the pilgrim attitude is something that is essential to the fulfillment of the purpose of God through our lives, through our ministry, through the kingdom of God and the church. And, of course, the Scripture teaches us, as we've seen, that God's going to have a people that are in a people that are going to continue to have that attitude of life, that they are not proprietors upon this life, upon this world, but that they are simply God's pilgrim people. Here for what? To fulfill a purpose of God. Just for the purpose of recap this morning, I wonder if someone can just share with us the key words that we have, the five key words in this study about God's house. Can someone do that for us this morning? You don't have to share sure the Greek words, just the English words. <laughs> Amen, all right? The house, the physical house. The household, which is what? The people of God's house. All right. The householder, which is the owner. The landlord, which is who? Anybody know who the householder is? All right. The Lord. Amen. All right. Then there's the next one. The servants in the house. And then the stewards are the administrators over the house, taking a picture that Brother Mitchell began, looking at uh, the overall picture of what God's house means, uh, reflecting it back into the time uh, that it was written. Hebrews 3, 1 to 6. Okay, then First Timothy three, fifteen. Uh, I believe that you got Second Timothy or First Timothy there. First Timothy three fifteen. Okay, so when we normally think of a house, the house of God, we just think of the church, period. This is the house of God. This is the people of God. And and that's all there is to it. But as we begin to look at this, we begin to see that there's more involved when God talks about His house and the people of His house and the purpose of His house in the world. Now, today we're going to study the thought uh, of Mount Zion and how it uh, has to do with God's house. And I wonder if someone can... Share with me, why is God's house in the world? He says, why why does God, why has he established his house in the world in which we live, Bill? Okay, number one, he says, to keep the revelation of himself in the world. That's good, amen. As his dwelling place, all right, God's house in the world. To redeem man as the avenue of redemption in the world, all right. amen this is where man is that's good so we see why god has his house in the world for his glory the church and god's house should show forth the glory of god isn't that right in his praises throughout the world in which we live for a witness under his name all right so we see many reasons god works through man he works through his people all right and this is many reasons why god has established his house in the world all right there's one key word that we're going to work on and go after today in God's house and the reason that God has established house along with all these and all these center around that key word and that key word is dominion God desires to establish his dominion through his house upon this earth here and now and so that's what we're dealing with in uh, mount zion We hear the song, We're Marching to Zion, Beautiful, Beautiful Zion. Well, that's true. But also, friend, uh, there's a truth about Mount Zion that is overlooked many times in referring to uh, uh, God's house and God's people. Zion is mentioned 152 times in the Old Testament. It's mentioned seven times in the New Testament, mostly prophetic, dealing with God's house, dealing with eternity. We're going to look this morning, going back into 2 Samuel, if you'd like to turn there into the 5th chapter, and we're going to look at where Mount Zion, as far as biblical history is concerned, is first mentioned, and where it first comes into focus to us and begin to get a picture of what these 152 times, when the Bible's talking about Mount Zion and God's house, what it's dealing with in our purpose in planet earth and our purpose of being here and it all ties to the tremendous significance uh, of this fortress that David took in a battle called Mount Zion and so if someone has Second Samuel chapter 5 verse 6 to 12 I'd like them to uh, read it for us in a loud clear voice Second Samuel chapter 5 this is where David is coming against the Jebusites and uh, he has just been anointed king over this Israel and so he's coming up to take this mighty fortress of land, Second Samuel chapter 5. If someone has that, can read it in a real loud and clear voice, Randy? All right, chapter 5, verse 6 on through verse 12. Now, the reason they talking about the, the lame and the halt is their confidence that they have in the mighty fortress that they have. That they have, uh, most commoners say they probably put the, the halt the lame, uh, up there saying, David, can you get up here and get this fortress? And so they're, they're talking about the security they have in such a tremendous place that Mount Zion is the fortress that even the lame and the halt can protect the place. Go ahead. Okay, so we see our first picture of Mount Zion, the fortress. Mount Zion has tremendous significance for you and I today. We see, first of all, that Mount Zion is the southernmost hill. But most people are the southern, southeasternmost hill in the city of Jerusalem. And this is where this place was that David took. And literally what Mount Zion was was a strong fortress. Now, Zion was a strong force. Our fort, it became the residence court for the king. This is where David built his house, where the hill that David built his palace, and it became the birthplace of most of David's children. It became the place that David received the promise of his eternal house that God was going to give him. Later on, it became the place that the ark was brought to, Whenever David, the next chapter, chapter 6, verse 15 and 16, went and sent for the Ark of the Covenant and they brought it back to Mount Zion uh, where David had placed the Ark uh, and the Word of God went forth from there. Now the key thought here then, here all of this, it's David's house, it's the palace, but the key thought is Mount Zion, this particular part of Jerusalem. Later on, Jerusalem grew all around as, as Solomon's time and others, but this is the part David built And this became the headquarters. This became the headquarters of David's kingdom, the capital, and the principal city from which the affairs of David's kingdom were conducted. This became the uh, uh, place of the magistrate or the king's palace where his throne sat, and all the affairs of business went forth from Mount Zion. And I wonder, what are some of the affairs of a kingdom? Can somebody tell me? What would be some of the affairs, uh, if this is where his throne is, this is where the palace is, and where all the affairs of the business goes forth, what would be some of the affairs of a kingdom? It would be where he judged Israel, all right, good. The defense of the nation, all of that went forth from Mount Zion, all right. Anyone else? Pardon? Governed the people, right, from that point right there. This is where the king governed the people. And, uh, brother, ma'am, you have the laws? The laws went forth from uh, the palace. Okay, God's word went forth from the palace. So we begin to see that there Mount Zion here then. uh, The earthly kingdom of David, which God set up, becomes the earthly type. Of the kingdom of God upon planet Earth, and Mount Zion becomes the earthly type here of God's uh, throne, God's seat upon Earth, where God's authority is put forth and God's government is set forth upon planet Earth. Of which, of course, David's kingdom and Israel was a type. Now, let's look at a number of scriptures and parallel this uh, in prophetic sense with heaven, where our heavenly Father dwells. Uh, Hebrews 12. 22 to 23, if somebody would get that for us, Hebrews 12, maybe over on my left over here, Hebrews 12, amen, Ron uh, over there has it, uh, 12, 22 to 23, Psalms 48, 1 to 3, all right, Kathy, Psalms 20 or 48, 1 to 3, so we we'll now parallel uh, this with heaven, Hebrews 12, 22 and 23. All right, Psalms 48, 1 to 3. Okay, he says, The city of a great king... Uh, the prophetic statement of Psalmist uh, of the David of David saying that uh, uh, where God dwells, Mount Zion, on the sides of the north, the city of a great king. And then, of course, Hebrews is talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about those that by faith he says you have come unto Mount Zion. Psalm says the dwelling place. So we see that Mount Zion is the heavenly dwelling place of God also, and we see that it's the residence. If you study the scripture of God's court. Mount Zion is where God dwells. It's exactly what David is saying. Well, uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't take a time to study the sides of the north. Uh, it has something to do with the city of Jerusalem. It's not uh, the location of Mount Zion, though. But I didn't take a study in those, those particular words, to be honest with you. Amen. So here's where we see, then, uh, Mount Zion, then, in parallel with heaven, becomes the Residence of God. This is what the reference is to. On earth, it's David's residence Uh, in the Old Testament. It becomes Jerusalem, uh, the place where God rules. Heavenly Jerusalem, the place where God rules from right now uh, in His kingdom uh, and to which we on earth then, as Paul is saying, is connected by faith in our relationship. So literally we see now Mount Zion, uh, the heavenly Jerusalem manifested, and then we see Mount Zion and the earthly Jerusalem below of which David was a part and which uh, you and I are a part by faith. David now, in all of this time, as he has set his kingdom upon Mount Zion, he has anticipated God sending his son to set up his kingdom upon Mount Zion. David, in the uh, wisdom of God and the vision of God, has anticipated God's Son coming and Mount Zion upon God's uh, holy hill. And let's read some scriptures with that before we go uh, into any discussion. Psalms 110, verse 2. Let me get Psalms 110, verse 2, all right. Psalms 2, 6, and 7. Psalms 2, 6, and 7, Randy. Uh, Excuse me. (laughs) Psalms 87, 5, all right. Psalms 87, 5. Matthew 21, 5. Amen. All right, Brother Van Dyke. And Psalms 132, verse 13 and 14. Psalms 132, verse 13 and 14. So let's see David now. Here's David. His throne is on Mount Zion. This is what you want to picture. Dominion. He is the king of there. His throne is on Mount Zion. A parallel to heaven, which the heavenly Father's throne is in the heavenly Jerusalem, Mount Zion, where God dwells, in which God executed his kingdom. In the Old Testament, and David in all that time for Saul, God's son, coming and setting up on his kingdom upon Mount Zion. Let's read then uh, Psalms 2, 6, and 7. I have set my king upon my holy hill Zion. He says, Thou art my son. This day I have begotten thee. Let's go to Psalms uh, uh, 110, verse 2. The Lord shall send, uh, said unto my Lord, uh, he shall send a rod of his strength out of Zion. Psalms 87, 5. The highest his self shall establish. This is just prophetic things that David is looking at. Psalms 132, verse 13 and 14. The Lord has chosen Zion. All right, then Matthew 21, 5. Daughters of Zion refers to all of the children of Israel. If you begin to study in Jeremiah when they were in exile, uh, Daughters of Zion refers to the whole of the nation. And so he's dealing here with, uh, uh, he says, You daughters of Zion, the king cometh sitting upon the colt of an ass as Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Uh, The prophetic scriptures uh, of uh, the Lord being established begin to be fulfilled uh, as Jesus, the king, came into the nation of Jerusalem. Now, what is uh, David talking about here? Can anybody tell me, what is he uh, talking about when he talks about the Lord setting his king upon Mount Zion? What is his reference to? His reference is to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're dealing with. His reference is to God's house. His reference is to the church. This is what he's referring to. God setting his throne upon Mount Zion. Of course, prophetically, we understand the day that Jesus will come... That Jesus will set His kingdom upon earth in a prophetic sense, but we're dealing, uh, friend, that also uh, He's looking down to the age of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when Jesus—and we'll see this in the next set of scriptures—comes in uh, and establishes His church, His authority, His dominion upon uh, Mount Zion, from which in He rules and through which He rules upon planet Earth. Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. Someone will get this for us. Isaiah twenty-eight sixteen. Amen. Everybody quiet here this morning brother Mark first Peter I'll read that one Romans 933 if someone will get Romans 933 then Matthew 21 42 to 44 Matthew 21 all right uh, 42 to 44 then I'm going to read first Peter chapter 2 uh, verse 6 all right Isaiah 2816. Okay, here comes the prophecy now. David has prophesied of Mount Zion. We've seen the Lord coming in on the colt, and now we see Isaiah prophesying, "I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone." Now, First Peter says these words, two, verse six: Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, "Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. He that believeth on Him shall not be confounded." Unto you, therefore, which believe, He is precious. But unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, mm. a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into marvelous life, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, Amen. Which hath not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. All right. Uh, let's go to Romans then,
1: 9.33.
0: Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So now we have here's the story of Jesus. He is talking about a parable of a vineyard. Jesus says a man planted a vineyard and he left it to his uh, people there. And when the time came for the fruit, Jesus sent his uh, servants there. How many know the story? And they killed his servants and would not give him the fruit. So then he sent yet more servants, his more important servants, and they killed them. And he said, so I will send my son to my vineyard, surely that they won't kill him. And Jesus told the parable that they also killed his son. Is that right? And so then Jesus gives us these words in Matthew chapter 21, verse 42 to 44. at the conclusion of this parable, of taking it from those husbandmen, those wicked husbandmen, giving it to others, Jesus said, The kingdom of God, talking about Israel, shall be taken from you, and it shall be given to others that will bring forth fruit, a nation that will believe God. In First Peter, I read, where he said, You were not a nation, but you are now a nation. You are a chosen people, a peculiar people. So what the Lord is talking about That Zion that we see pictured all through the Old Testament, the authority, God's government, God's people, God's nation, now, friend, has been taken in the time of Christ from uh, Israel as such and has become that remnant or that church which is made up of Jews and Gentiles. Anyone that will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ uh, becomes that nation of God uh, which Israel was. Is this right? And so we see then that Zion that was once the seat of divine government Zion, that was once the seat uh, of divine government, it was consecrated uh, by the power, the visible power of God during the time of David, Uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, uh, is now God's holy mount. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is now the city where the living God lives. It is now the city, uh, the spiritual palace. He said, you are a spiritual building. We are the spiritual palace on Mount Zion. Amen. Uh, and during David's time, it was, uh, there was a show of power. There was dominion. There was victory. And so the church of the Lord Jesus Christ becomes, friends, then, uh, the city of uh, the great king. The church or the house of God becomes the dwelling place, Mount Zion, of God. Psalms nine eleven. Did I give that to anybody? psalms nine eleven. if somebody would read that for us Ron. okay sing praises unto the lord which dwells in zion so now the church this is a something that we need to understand the church has become mount zion the city of a great king the dwelling place of god the seat of authority from which God's business and God's dominion is executed from Mount Zion are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll cover that more as we go. It's the seat of God's universal government is right here where we are this morning. Now, Micah 4.7. Let's get a few more scriptures to back up what I have said. Micah 4.7. Somebody will get that for us. Amen. All right, Randy. And then uh, Isaiah 51.16, Mark. And then... Uh, Psalms seventy eight sixty eight, okay. Uh Psalms seventy eight sixteen then Romans eleven verses four and five. Romans eleven verses four and five, and I'll catch you on the next one, Brother Van Dyke. Amen. So here we see the church is now the seat of God's government. Micah chapter four, verse seven. You that were not a nation are now a nation, a people of God. And the Lord shall reign from Mount Zion from henceforth and forevermore. Talking about God's authority and dominion. Those that are in Mount Zion, those that live in Mount Zion in the house of God, which is upon Mount Zion in the spiritual type of the scripture, are in a special relationship to God. It's not talking about the church as such, a church, just because we're religious. Talking about a people that have a special relationship to God, Isaiah fifty one, sixteen. Zion, thou art my people. We're dealing with the people that, through faith uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, have accepted and serving the Lord. Psalm seventy-eight sixteen. Our seventy-eight sixty-eight, isn't it? I am sorry, Mount Zion, which he loved. He's talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not just religious people, but friend, not people that have a form of God in us. It brings us back to the remnant, as we read in Isaiah that God is going to have a people, friend, that are going to wholly follow Him. And we see this continually taking place in the world in which we live as generations pass and time passes. If there's a people like Israel that have a form of godliness but deny the power of, that God will raise up a whole new people and himself, draw out of that people a remnant. Just what we saw in the Jesus movement uh, when they were rejected, the church rejected revival, the church rejected what God was doing. God had a people that would accept what God was doing. Uh, he raised up hippies, raised up drug addicts, and God will continually raise up a people that through faith will follow him. Romans eleven four and 5. Alright, so the church is God's headquarters on earth of the new covenant. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of this palace, this temple of God. We are the ecclesia, the called out and called together of God, and the Zion of God, which is to exercise dominion upon planet earth. Let's stop there and see if there's any comments at this point or input. Mount Zion. The city of a great king. Amen. Mm-hmm. Any comment at this point on this subject? You can go into uh, the Daughter's Divine. You can look it up in uh, uh, Jeremiah 2 7. Jeremiah 4, 31. There's some scriptures that deal on it, the Jeremiah scriptures especially. There it's talking about those in exile, that all of Israel. See, later, 1st Jerusalem was... No, mount Zion was the, was the mountain, the fortress he took when we first read in 2nd Samuel. Then, uh, later on, Zion became to know all of the city of Jerusalem became known as Zion. Mount Zion was the particular place where David's throne was for a long time during his time the Ark of the Covenant until his son built the temple and they moved the Ark then to the Temple Mount... Uh, but then we, we see later on then that Mount Zion uh, uh, became known as all the people that were scattered. All the people of God as they were scattered out uh, throughout the, the land uh, during, under the captivity of Babylon. Daughters of Zion that dwellest in Babylon, it tells us. It's uh, uh, talking about all of Israel. That's captivity are the remnant of people that are captive in uh, Babylon. So it's dealing with uh, God's people, daughters of Zion, God's people, Israel. But the main thought that Mount Zion brings when you do a study in the Bible is the the seat of David's government, the place where the kingdom was, uh, business was executed, and the work of God or the work of the kingdom went forth. That's the main thought of Mount Zion that we're dealing with. The dwelling place of God on God's holy hill. All right? There's a kingdom truth that we need to have this today that's the purpose of this study as it deals with God's house, uh, God's dwelling place that brings us then the purpose of the church and locks down the purpose here of God's house. And so let's look at a number of scriptures. Obadiah, verses 17 to 21. Amen. Okay? Revelations, chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Brother Van Dyke. Luke four eighteen. 18. Okay? Uh, at this, we'll do Ezekiel... Thirty-eight twenty-three, okay, and Second Samuel eight fifteen. Second Samuel eight fifteen. All right, okay. So there's a kingdom truth here concerning God's house. We understand the position of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's the Lord Jesus? What's his position? The high priest. He's the king. Is that what you said. He's the king. Okay, so there's no, all right, the mediator. There's no dispute as far as the position of Jesus, is there? We all agree that, and most everybody agrees, that Jesus is the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, on and on. That Jesus Christ is, all right? So we understand the position. Then what we need then is to understand the position of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, his house, the dwelling place of the King. Uh, this is where then you begin to get into this area where a lot of people uh, uh, get in error and they, they don't understand why the church is here and the purpose of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the kingdom truth out of Mount Zion and the house of God is that we are stewards, we're God's people and there's a purpose in us being here. There's a purpose in all this. We're stewards over something, amen, hopefully. And more than just our own self. When you think of stewards, you think of your pocketbook mostly, and that's about it. But we're stewards over God's house. Which then, as we begin to understand that God's Zion, our His church, becomes the seat of His government on planet Earth. Militant, triumphant. It is the church militant. It is the church triumphant. Is the church in victory? The Scripture says, "He that believeth shall not be confounded, or shall not be ashamed." That's not a picture of the church right now, friends, many times. And so we begin to see that many have not laid hold of the truth of the purpose of the church. Obadiah, verses 17 to 21. Praise the Lord. I'm glad he read that portion of Scripture. Not me. (laughs) So the church then becomes, Mount Zion, becomes the center of refuge. Talking about those, it becomes the center of deliverance. Follow me for a moment. We find that this is talking about the returning of the Jews from captivity which is a type of redemption through the Lord Jesus Christ. And those of us that are a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ are those that have fled, literally, from captivity of sin and bondage of this world. Just like a type of the Jews that fled the captivity of Babylon and all of their enemies, we are a type of those that have fled and have found refuge in Mount Zion, our refuge in Christ and in His house. Is that right? Did you find refuge in the house of God? You got saved? So that's what we're looking at here. They fled and they found refuge who through faith claim and through grace claim the privileges that we have as children of God and the blood uh, our sins being washed away by the power of God. Mount Zion is built upon a rock. And the Jesus said that his church is built up, upon a rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail, a mighty fortress of God. It said there, the house of Jacob, you can study it perhaps more as you go home, the house of Jacob, it said, shall receive or possess their possession, so to speak. It's talking about the possession of Zion and is a secure inheritance. That's meaning, friend, that the possession, the inheritance of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a secure inheritance. They're talking about the land that belonged to them, but how many know what the church is going to inherit? Heaven, amen, that's true. Something else. Eternal life, hey, that's a secure inheritance. Something else. All right, authority is kings and police, but where? Here, amen, in heaven too, but here also. In other words, the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, is going to inherit all things, the Bible says. How many ever read that? All things. Through Christ, that the church of Jesus Christ uh, are going to in, inherit. The church will inherit, uh, the meek shall inherit uh, the earth. So we're saying that uh, the possession is secure. And then when it says that he said they ascend to Mount Zion, they're talking about to defend, of course, their place, pillar ground of truth. The defending of the truth is what the church is here for, the defending of the gospel. Our one brother brought out, the fact, the continuance of the, uh, God's revelation in the world. And so to defend, and it said in our last verse, there shall be judges to govern. The kingdom shall be the Lord. Now the word govern, if you begin to study, is talking more than about settling disputes. It's talking about dominion. They shall have dominion and the kingdom shall be the Lord's uh, forever. So we begin to see a picture of what uh, the purpose of Mount Zion is all about. It's talking about uh, uh, the dominion of God on planet earth. Amen. The dominion of God in the world in which uh, you and I live. The disciples asked Jesus a question. They said, show us the kingdom of God. People did. And show us when you're going to send your kingdom. what did Jesus tell them? The kingdom of God is where? It's where? It's among you. It's amidst you. It's right here. The kingdom of God is here right now. The kingdom of God is within you. In the kingdom, who rules in the kingdom? God rules in the kingdom, right? Amen. So, uh, and where God rules, there's what? Power. There's authority. There's dominion. We're talking about dominion in the individual's life. In our own life, we're talking about dominion in a corporate structure, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're talking about dominion in the world that God has promised. Uh, right now, we see it in our individual's life. We see it in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see it progressingly in the world uh, in which you and I live. Through His people is what we're dealing with. Through His people, as He did through David and through His time, exercised dominion. Revelations 1, 5 to 6 will help us with this. He has washed us in His blood. Made us what? What has He made us? Kings and priests. Amen. What are kings for? What? What are priests for? Amen. Go ahead. All right. Kings are for dominion, rulership. So... You ever think of, he said, you're royal priesthood and we're kings and priests? What, what does that mean? We're just supposed to sit here and wait for the day of millennia when we're just going to rule and reign with Christ in the sweet by and by, pie in the sky? There's more to the church than pie in the sky in the sweet by and by. How many believe it? There's more of a purpose in the church. okay amen so Luke four eighteen shows us what the job of the king and priest is did I give that to anybody the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me here's the work of the priestly king Jesus Christ which was the type of what he is to make all of us heirs and joint heirs with Christ to be, He's the function and the work of Christ upon planet Earth was to preach the gospel to the poor to set at liberty them that are in bondage to heal the brokenhearted. In other words, to exercise the dominion and the kingdom of God upon planet earth. That's what Jesus Christ is here to do. That brings us in our position as the church of the Lord, as the house of God, as stewards over what Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone is to execute exactly what Jesus Christ did upon planet earth. So we begin to see that the royal priesthood ruling is the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the mending of the broken heart, the picking up of the people that are in the bondage of spiritual Babylon and bringing them into the refuge of Mount Zion, uh, bringing them under the dominion of the Lord Jesus Christ, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and executing His dominion throughout the world. The destiny of the church, as I said, is more than pie in the sky. It includes a significant demonstration on planet Earth of righteousness and of the kingdom of God here and now. It includes a significant demonstration of that dominion, friend, individually, corporately, and worldwide. Now, how much of that uh, demonstration, we don't know. We're not people that believe, uh, like Garner Ted Armstrong, that it's going to be a beautiful world tomorrow, and we're just going to take over, and it's going to be peace and utopia and all of that. Well we do know that in planet Earth, that God's purpose for the church is not uh, a weak, sick, uh, uh, weakling uh, Jerusalem, or a weak, sick uh, uh, people that are scattered all over. but God's purpose for the church is Mount Zion, a mighty fortress uh, that has taken their land, that has peace in their land. Uh, and it's more. the church is more than God's agent of evangelism. We're more than God's agent of social concern in the world. We have more than feeding the poor in India. And feeding the hungry and taking care of people. We are agents of God's uh, ending uh, purpose upon planet earth. His whole cosmic purpose. You and I are a part of that in the end of time. God will show forth. Follow me now. His church as Zion uh, in the last days. Scripture shows us uh, not as sick but as a mighty, triumphant, militant, victorious uh, church as Israel was in the time of David. Seven, Second Samuel eight fifteen. David reigned over all Israel, and he executed justice, judgment, our dominion over all the land that was his. Not over all the world, but over the land that was God. So it's showing us that God will show the world through Zion, through his house, friend. God will show the world through Zion uh, what Ezekiel says in Ezekiel thirty eight twenty three. Thus will I magnify myself. Through what? How will the Lord magnify himself in our age, our dispensation? Through his church. He will make it. Thus will I magnify that many nations shall know, the Jews and the Gentiles, that I am the Lord of lords. He's talking about uh, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those that walk in obedience shall not be ashamed. The church is promised, my friend, dominion like Joseph in Pontifer's house. Uh, Joseph was taken a slave, but before it was over, Joseph uh, was uh, exercising dominion in Pontifer's house. Uh, and friend, just like he was in prison, they threw him in the dungeon before it was over. Here he was. He was exalted, lifted up, exercising power and authority in prison. And then finally, uh, he exercised power and authority over all of the kingdom under Pharaoh. Uh, and uh, as God lifted him up, just like Daniel, taken as a slave, uh, friend, had thrown in a lion's den, exercising, dominion uh, against the forces of evil which that represented uh, and won the battle and then he became uh, from a slave to exercising dominion in the kingdom uh, with the king from which uh, he was we see when the children of israel uh, the spies went into jericho uh, to spy out the land rahab told them we have heard of you we have heard of your god because of the exploits he's done through you and, friend, that was the type of the church and the uh, militant that God's uh, going to have His people present uh, Him in the world, friend, to the point that people say, we've heard that your God is the God, the right God, and that your God is Lord, and that's the dominion the Bible's talking about through Mount Zion. That the world that God's going to have a church, friend, that will, that will lay hold of Zion, that will exercise dominion so that the world will at least have to recognize that God is God. God's not taking a, a sick weekly church Amen. He's going to have a church that will represent power. Now, how many know that this has happened to an extent in much of the societies in which we live? How many know that? Someone share with me perhaps how that... Someone that maybe knows a little bit about... Take the difference between America and Saudi Arabia are the Muslim countries and say, England, uh, the gospel, we're Christian nations, right? How has, in a sense, we may say America's back to but how many know that Christianity is what has made the, an impact and dominion upon this country how many believe that how has that happened oh oh okay <laughs> how has that happened comparing it I mean you could go right down the list of do- hundreds of things that Christianity has had an effect upon our nation okay there you go he says, you look at the nations that are caught up like India and those kind of places, they're caught up much in poverty, famine. So we understand that prosperity comes from the Lord. That's the reason for our sister back here. Okay. We see that in our country. All right. constant Conflict, conflicts, war, stuff like that. It... Education flowed out of Christianity, the impact of our nation. Uh, Ron? Free liberty, Free liberty to preach the gospel openly? All right, that's exactly true. You ought to go into places, uh, 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 the Christianity is what made, has made uh, people equal. How many know that? created equal in the eyes of the guys this white has made their the home you, uh, India and all those countries women don't have the rights they have in our country they don't have nearly the rights they have in European countries and American countries uh, they're, they're pressed down and, and still to this day many of them never get an education and uh, still to this day their marriages are arraigned and they're sold off uh, uh, to the guy that uh, parents want to her to marry it's, it's just a myth the very constitution of biblical base most democratic so we could go indefinitely uh, yes okay so we could go indefinitely on impact our calendars been impact by uh, christianity Everything that we touch and do, my friend, has had an effect of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ making dominion upon the Western world and the prosperity and the blessing of the West. You could go, you did a study on it, you could go all the way down. Everything has come out of Christianity, so almost the, the productivity that we see. So when we look at that and we can compare it with nations uh, that haven't, we can see that there is a going to be and there is and will be continually, more so in the last days, a show of God's dominion through the church of the Lord Jesus Christ even in a greater way that will have impact upon these nations. You see, uh, Joseph, Daniel, and other Jewish leaders that were taken into captivity, right, into their land, they, uh, they sought the welfare of that land that they were at. That, Joseph was the reason Egypt was saved in the famine. And God blessed them. He sought the welfare of Egypt and also God's people. Daniel sought the welfare and others uh, uh, the, of the nation they were at. And they also, like Jonah then, Uh, called the nation of Nineveh to repentance. That shows us two things. Uh, The church of Jesus Christ brings forth and seeks the welfare through to the dominion of the nations that they're a part of uh, and make an impact. But also, my friends, they are uh, bringing forth repentance to those nations and crying out the gospel of Jesus Christ. This priesthood, our remnant, that we are a part of, the Laos of God, uh, must call nations to repentance, to submission, and the rule of Jesus Christ. And when they do that, friend, they're exercising dominion upon planet Earth, uh, as the Levites stood among Israel and declared God's truth and His model of worship, the new Israel, in which we are a part, must do the same in the world. We've done, it's happened in America. We haven't... Uh, in, it hadn't impacted us because we were grown in it, but it happened in America. This would have been a heathen nation Covered with Navajos, Amen, uh, and everybody else worshiping all kinds of gods. Uh, except Christianity's come in and given the mode of the model of worship, uh, the true and the living God. praying to the very extent that even our dollar saying God we trust, and has made impact. Now, but let me tell you as we go along, you see, uh, the kingdom the Bible says uh, suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. We're talking about a dominion. David was a man. From Mount Zion that conquered the land. He didn't just get up there on Mount Zion and rest. It said as soon as he took Mount Zion, the Philistines came against him. He asked the Lord, what shall I do? The Lord said, when you hear the rustling in the mulberry bush, go get them. Amen. Uh, that's what he did. He heard the rustling in the mulberry bush. He won the battle, battle after battle after battle. Uh, war was the type of... And in fact, God would not let David build his temple because he said, you are a man of war. Your son shall be a man of peace. Amen. And the church uh, on Mount Zion is uh, in the time in the dispensation we're living is a war uh, machine, a church that is militant, a church that is triumphant, a church that is taking territory that belongs to us, taking the land that's God's. Uh, And one day uh, the Prince of Peace will come, which is typified by Solomon, set up his kingdom um, upon earth, Uh, amen, and have uh, the peace uh, uh, that the Bible teaches. Are you following me this morning? So we cannot tell how much of this dominion of the kingdom will be established on planet earth can't say I'm not saying whole nations will turn to God because the church will always be a minority but I am saying that even in the day and time which we're living as we see the revival what's happening in the third world countries as we see what's happening in uh, heathen countries friend you can rest assured that the Bible talks about uh, Jeremiah or Ezekiel I believe it was saw saw night coming and, and day coming at the same time talking about a great falling away and a great uh revival and awakening at the same time you can rest assured that the tides turning in the day and age which we're living you can get prophetic significance from this that the night falling is literally representing if you watch it i was in europe a few weeks ago friend night is falling upon european countries where they have had the gospel just like israel rejected 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 the gospel and friend we might as well say it'll happen to america too unless god intervenes and we lay hold of zion for america and the church stands up and takes its dominion in America for an will fall into uh, darkness also. But the scripture teaches that darkness will come rapidly at the same time day will come. As Brother Mitchell has shared, the plowman, uh, well, the reaper will overtake the plowman man in, in the end time harvest. But what we're talking about uh, is God's dominion is going to be established in these countries that have been in darkness for ages. And just as nations... Uh, Uh, As a tree in the wintertime is dead and dormant, there comes a time when spring comes, that tree begins to bud and come to life. Nations are coming to life right now. Nations that we never heard about when I was a kid are starting to come to life. You're hearing of revolution. You're hearing of this. uh, They're in the valley of decision, and God's people that will be the militant uh, people of God that will go in and take dominion, can go into these nations and take dominion for God and see the kingdom of God established. We don't know how much, as I said, dominion will be established within ordinary history, but we know that God, the gospel must make impact upon many more nations. And it's a time for God's people to do that. And our responsibility then, what is it as a people of God? Our responsibility is to lay hold of Zion. Our responsibility is to take dominion. We are priests already. Not when we get to heaven. We're priests already. We're kings already. Amen. And it's our job to lay hold of Zion and take our dominion in the areas that God sends us. That's what happens when a couple goes in, starts with church. They're going in as kings and priests of God, and they're establishing dominion in that city, and they're taking authority And what belongs to God. Already belongs to God. They're taking what belongs to God from the grips of Satan, and they're taking the dominion of God. That's what church planning is all about. That's why Jesus said when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, talking about dominion on earth as it is in heaven, and thine is the kingdom, and thine is the power, and thine is the glory forever and ever. Amen. Any comment to bring us to a close?